mess, okay? Our personality isn't always perfect either, isn't it? Our personality can be offensive to people. It can be abrasive. It can be a bunch of different things. It's not perfect yet. Our conscience needs work to be conformed into, if you're raised a certain way, your conscience is going to change to shift towards God's way. In our minds, our will, also our intellect, it isn't perfect either. The Bible says right now we know in part, we prophesy in part. When perfection comes, we get to heaven, we're, gonna, we're not going to know in part. Anymore. We're going to be fully known as he's fully known. That's going to be complete. But right now, our soul is not perfect. When you die and get to heaven one day, when it's all over, your soul will become perfect, your body will become perfect to match your spirit. Amen. But one-third of your salvation is already perfectly complete, kaput, finished, totally done, you're not growing in this. It's complete. Amen? Wow. Isn't that what it just said in the verse we looked at in 2 Corinthians 5? Yep. It clearly states that anyone who is in Christ right now is a brand new creation. Old things passed away. All things become new. Now all things are of God. You think of your, your mind, well, emotions, think of your body. Well, I don't see that right now. Well, okay, it's talking about your spirit. And this is not mentioning a, a progression. This is talking about a finished work right now. So where did this change take place again since it wasn't our our bodies and it wasn't our souls it must have been our spirits our spirits are the part of us that were made and made new made to be like god <coughs> excuse me all things about our spirits have become brand new when we're saved when when we made jesus christ our savior and lord our spirits underwent an instant and complete transformation at that very moment our born-again spirits are perfect and complete as they're ever going to be Again, we're not going to get a new spirit when we get to heaven. Our spirits don't need to mature, to be completed. They don't need to be cleaned up from any kind of defilement here on earth. Our spirits right now are as perfect, mature, and complete as Jesus Christ himself is complete. Thank you, Jesus. Because our spirit has been, I'm kind of puffing there a bit, maybe it's too close. Uh, our spirits were merged together with Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. So this isn't a thing that brags on us. It's bragging on the finished work of Jesus. And as we believe what God says about us is true, we're going to walk in these things. Now, I know some of this might sound strange, but this word is more true than our feelings. It's more true than our emotions. We're not going to feel this way sometimes, but we have to remind ourselves what the word says and change, change as he uh, to believe that. So um, this is something we're going to need to acknowledge and be conscious aware of in our daily lives. You know, I used to be consciously aware of Something's wrong with me. Um, something's not complete in me. I need prayer. I need this. I need that. I need, I need to go get all these anointed people I see on TV or on the internet to come pray for me and lay hands on me. Once they lay hands on me, then something in me will be fixed and I'll be able to do the things God called us to do. And, uh, you know, I've had some pretty cool people pray for me, very anointed people. I had Penny Inn pray for me one time. It was pretty funny. I was, it was like 1996 or seven. And uh, I, I mean, I, I just seen him on TV a few times, didn't know much about him. And he had so many people come up, they, they all fall down. If you've ever seen it on TV, that's not an act. I mean, I mean, I was there, and I saw these 80-year-olds, and everyone, they're, they're going everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's wild. <laughs> I didn't understand it, but like, this is crazy. But anyway, so uh, I was going to be a pastor one day, so I was in this prayer line for young pastors, youth pastors, and ministers. And they're walking me up on stage, and they're kind of like holding my arms like this. I'm thinking, I wonder why they're holding my arms like this, kind of escorting me up on the stage. And like, thinking like, I, I'm not going to fall. I, know, I don't ever fall. And I get uh, probably, uh, probably about like, say, like this close to him. And he goes, Dutch, like that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was, um, I'm glad they were holding my arms. I may have fallen. I don't know. 
They walked me down off the stage, went back and sat down, talked to Holly, like, oh, that wasn't too bad. I didn't know what was going to happen. She goes, it wasn't too bad. You were on the big screen. I saw your eyes roll back in your head, and you were just like, like I had to help you down. Like, I mean, I honestly felt the power of God hit me. The same way he moved his hand, I felt the power of God hit me in that same way. I'm not saying I agree with all of his theology. I'm just saying the guy has an anointing, okay? He really does. All right, I've had Bill Johnson pray for me a few times, Randy Clark several times, Andrew Womack prayed for me here in this church. Heidi Roland Baker prayed for me, Roddy Howard Brown, all these different people. And it all had an impact on me, and it all was a positive, great experience. But, you know, if I don't believe what God's Word says about me, I mean, if I don't, see, I don't believe it, Jesus Christ could appear to me in the spirit realm and pray for me. And if I don't believe what he says, nothing's going to change in my life. It isn't going to change. I can go from conference to conference and get this prophetic word and this, this, this prayer and this happened to me. And I've done that and I've experienced that. But still, after a while, I can walk away feeling insecure, yeah. feeling like I'm not enough, feeling like I can't do this, I'm not as good as this guy, I'm not as good as that guy, they can do this better than me and that better than me. And all that stuff does is make you overly self-conscious and insecure. Yeah. But if I meditate on what God says about me already, it's already done, yeah. Yeah. you start to get confidence. It's not confidence that you're better, it's confidence that he did something amazing in us, amen? Right. So we have to believe this work. There's been a change. There's been a change in us from the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's been a change in people's hearts from the old to the new. And we need to be consciously aware of this change. Amen? Amen. In the Old Testament, they could not be born again. Could they? Right. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you must be born again. Mm-hmm. All right? Uh, <laughs> um, there, is, there must be a spiritual new birth in us in order for us to see the kingdom of God. And where does this new birth take place? In our spirits, Right? Nicodemus didn't understand this when Jesus spoke it to him, and many people in the church don't understand it today either. But there has been a change. Our spirit does not look like it did in the Old Testament. We're now born anew, born again, recreated in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. John 3, uh, verse 4, Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can you imagine asking Jesus this question? Thinking like, are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> that's, I mean, you thought about having a nine-pound baby. And you think about having like a 200-pound baby. Like, that's, that doesn't sound very good. But Nicodemus was trying to understand this new spiritual teaching Jesus was giving him by his intellectual knowledge. And it doesn't always carry over intellectually what God says in the Spirit. Amen? Right. Here's Jesus' response in verse 5. Jesus answered, most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. God, uh, do not marvel that I said, you must be born again. So water here is talking about our natural birth. Before all of us were born, our mothers were pregnant, and then the water broke. After the water broke, hopefully shortly for you ladies, uh, the baby was born shortly after that. Hopefully it wasn't too long of a labor. In the new covenant, all right, uh, this breaking had to take place, this breaking of Jesus' flesh, breaking of his body, and so we could be born again. A second time. Not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Okay? Born again of the spirit. Our spirit's been born again. So... um, Need to be born a second time. So in the Old Testament, examples of people's hearts and their stories don't always carry over to the New Testament. They don't. There's just like last week talking about Psalm 51, create me a clean heart. It doesn't always carry over. And that's why concepts like I'm gonna get more faith, 
or I'm getting more of God, I'm receiving a double portion, don't really line up with a new covenant reality of what's going on in our spirits right now, okay? You've probably been in these conferences and they, you know, you know, Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And they say, come on, tonight is double portion night. Come up for prayer, we're going to pray for you, and you're going to, we're believing God, you're going to receive a double portion of what Elijah had, all right, Elisha had, or someone else, or a pastor, or whatever up there had. But, you know, when you think about it, uh, you double a nickel, you still only got a dime. Okay? Now, I'm not saying Elisha and Elijah only had a nickel or a dime of anointing. It's just an illustration, but if you double a small amount, it's still going to be a small amount. Okay, I remember Bill Johnson talking about this. He had people come up to him quite often and say, I want you to pray for me that I'll receive a double portion of what you have. And he's like, man, if I could do that, I'd be praying for myself. You know, because I want double of what God's already given me, right? What we don't understand in the New Testament, there's been a change. We don't need a doubling of anything because God already gave us everything already. Let me show you this, all right? Um, Maybe I'm jumping ahead here. I'll show you in a minute then. Okay. Um, (laughs) He already gave us his fullness. We're going to skip that, come back to it in a minute. minute. Um, There's something we need to be consciously aware of in that there's there's a greater... Uh, spirit in us than there was in them. They could not be born again. Okay? Look at Matthew eleven eleven. Assuredly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Right. Talking about born again believers. Luke seven twenty eight. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. So according to Jesus, John the Baptist is the greatest person to ever be born in the Old Testament and the greatest prophet that ever lived. But the Bible says, Jesus said, went on to say that who's in the kingdom is greater than all of them. All your Old Testament heroes... They were looking forward to one day of salvation, one day to receive the Spirit of God, one day to be born again. They didn't probably have a full understanding. Of it. They didn't know what was going to happen. They thought they were going to get delivered from Rome and things like that when really they're getting delivered from the devil and the power of the devil in their lives. They're getting, that's what they're getting delivered from. But we must be born again in our spirits to enter the kingdom of God. And those who enter the kingdom of God are greater than all of our Old Testament heroes. All of them. Now, I'm not saying we're better men than they were or better women than they were. I'm just saying our spirits are better than theirs ever was on their best day. Okay? That's better than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Better than uh, Moses, Joshua, and Gideon. More than King David and Solomon. More than Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, Elisha. More than any person you can name for the Old Testament. What the work of God did in your spirit is greater than all of them. They long for the day we're in. They long for that day. Now our spirit is completely made new. We don't need to be doubled anything. We just need to already realize what we already have. Here's the verse I was thinking of a minute ago. John 1, 16. Of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. Let it sink in. Of his fullness, we have already received it. If you're born again. Grace upon grace upon grace, you've already received of his fullness, of the fullness of the God that lives in us bodily. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus himself lives inside of us. 
Amen? His fullness. They didn't have that. You don't need a double portion of Elijah or Elisha or anybody else. We have already received the full measure of Christ on the inside of us. And as we realize what's in us, we're going to manifest it more often than walking around thinking we're just like, oh man, I'm the worst Christian in the town. This woe is me mentality, which in most of the churches around, they preach this poverty, spiritual poverty mentality. And we're kings and priests on this planet called to rule and reign with Jesus. Amen? Are we reading the same book? You guys, am I I telling you? All right. So for believers, God already gave us everything when we were born again. Old things passed away and he gave us everything brand new. Amen? In our spirits, we receive the same measure of faith, the same power, the same wisdom, the same ability that every other Christian has. Our spirits are identical to the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. Because his spirit and our spirit merge together. You know, our spirits are much bigger than our bodies. They're different. They don't take the form. They're kind of in this container, but they don't, they're not limited to just this container or body we're in. Your spirit is so big right now that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But you're also in Plumtree Church at the same time. Right. Your spirit is greater than we realize. So we need to know what, is, what did God do to our spirits? What's in our spirits? Because we know what's in there and what he did. And we learn how to release what's in there. We're going to change circumstances around us. Amen. We're going to change cultures, change families, homes, uh, change the world. That's what the disciples did by letting the spirit of God on the inside of them be released. That's why Jesus is sitting down. He's like, your turn. Do what I did. Okay? I want to show you this. Uh, he's already given us everything we need. For 2 Peter 1.3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, you have to know it, who called us by his glory and virtue. The word life here literally means lifetime and absolute fullness of life. Amen. Amen. He's already given it to you for your lifetime. Absolute fullness of life in your spirit. That's why he said the second half of John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Okay, I don't think there's a poverty hidden meaning in, and I'm not talking about money right now, just a, a poverty mentality in abundance. Abundance means more than you need in any dictionary. It's more than enough, okay? Uh, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it to the max until it overflows. That's what's in your spirit. If you're waiting for this certain emotion, waiting for this certain number in your bank account, waiting for this certain doctor report, whatever, you're going to miss out on the finished work he's already finished on the inside of you right now. It's never need to be added to again. So we need to know what's in our spirits, Amen. Is there wisdom in there? I think he said we have the mind of Christ, didn't he? Where's that? It's not in our body. It's not in our brains. I mean, man, we <laughs> have trouble remembering stuff sometimes, trouble with math sometimes, trouble with English or other languages. We have trouble sometimes, but is there wisdom in us? Yeah, but it's not here. I mean, we have some there, but it's the fullness of his wisdom's in us, in our spirit. Is there provision in there? Yeah, not just, for, not just for money, but there's provision for health. There's provision for all kinds of things. There's healing in there. How do I know it? Because we need it. And he said, I gave you all things that you need for life and godliness, to live godly. And for your whole lifetime, I've already given you everything that you're ever going to need. And it's in your spirit. Amen. It's in your spirit. Amen. That's a good word. All right. 
Everything we need in our, for our spiritual life and everything we need in our natural lives has already been given to us. Again, our spirit is much bigger than what we realized. It's not limited to just this body because we can be in heaven and here at the same time. So we need to know what's in our spirits, okay? So I want to read, tell you some things that's in your spirits, tell you some things about your spirits because it's absolutely amazing and it's important for us to know this. Our spirits right now look like God. So that all things are of God in our spirits, right? It looks like God. As he is, so are we in this world right now, in our spirit, right? Um, we have come to a place where the spirits of righteous men have been made perfect. That's our spirit. Uh, we are perfected forever. Hebrews 10.14. That's our spirit. We've now recreated righteous and truly holy. That's our spirit. We look just like God. Pure as he is pure, without spots or wrinkles, with anything, it's perfect as it's ever, 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 ever going to be, our spirit is. Amen. Amen. That's the work of Christ. That's not the work of me, or you, or because you did your prayer life, your devotional life, you did really good, and going to church attendance. That's the work of Jesus that he did on the inside of you. So, what's, so that's what your spirit looks like. What's in your spirit? Abundant life, Right? How about power, love, and a sound mind? Yes. How about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, like Julie was talking about? Yeah. That's in your spirit. You're not going to feel that. You're not going to, some, I mean, sometimes you might feel it when you're having one of those amazing moments with God. But day to day, you're not going to feel like, man, I feel like raising the dead today. Or I just had the same power raised. But it's in there. It's in you, okay? You have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in there. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Yep. I, I, we have to be consciously aware of what's in our spirits, amen? Yes. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That's our spirit, by the Holy Spirit. We have God's love in there. Amen. We have the fruit of the Spirit in there. We have spiritual gifts in there. There's healing in there. There's provision in there. Yes. Everything we need for our lifetime is already in our spirits. Amen. It's already there. So guess what that means? There's no fear there. Right. There's no death there. There's no lack, there's no condemnation, there's no strife, there's no jealousy, there's no sin. It's absolutely perfect right now forever. Praise God. You can praise God for that. Amen? It's not you. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm saying the work of Jesus in you is perfect. And one day we will be perfect. Our bodies will be. Our souls will be. Those, those two things are in process right now. But our spirit, one third of us, that salvation is absolutely perfect and complete. You need to pray in tongues for five hours a day to change your spirit. It's already been changed. Okay? As you pray in tongues, it can help you change your soul and your mind, will, emotions, but it's not going to change your spirit. It's going to help you be more in tune with what God did. So because God lives in our spirits, the attributes of God also live in there. Amen. His creative power, His creative word that He speaks, His life. God lives in our spirits. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And all the Old Testament saints could not say that. They couldn't say that. What God did in us is a finished work. Amen? Amen. So since that's true, what we really need to learn how to do is learn how to recognize what we already have and learn how to release what's already on the inside of us. We're not pulling down these prayer requests from heaven the answers are already on the inside of us because God's in here. It's God's in us. We need to learn to release what we already have been given. Right, right. 
take it from the spirit realm into this physical realm, okay? Let me show you a verse that shows you this. I love how this is worded in the King James Version. It says that it's Philemon 1.6. The, the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Okay? It doesn't say, uh, you know, you walk around saying you're poor, you're wretched, you're horrible, whatever. Because guess what? That's not in you. That's not in your spirit. You're supposed to confess all of the good things that are in you. Because those good things are in the kingdom. They're in the king, they're in the kingdom, and it's in you. And as you confess what God's already done on the inside of you, as you acknowledge it, you recognize what he's already done, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, your faith will become effectual. I mean, it's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. All right? The word um, effectual, to communicate, excuse me, means to release or transfer. So, for instance, I'm communicating or releasing right now things that Jesus has been teaching me. I'm releasing it right now. So as you communicate it with yourself, like you're, you, as you understand or acknowledge what he's done, your communication of your faith, your speaking of your faith is going to be released, and you're gonna, it's going to be effective. Didn't he say the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective? Well, guess how that works? By acknowledging what he's already done in us. Yeah. It's not pride. It's praising Jesus. It's praising God. It's giving him glory and honor for what he's already done. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Effectual means it begins to work or produce. So how does our faith work or produce? By acknowledging what Jesus Christ has already done on the inside of us. Amen. Acknowledging leads to effective release of our faith. Yeah. Not woe is me, poor me, poor this, poor that. There's no poverty in there. God never thinks like that. Right. He never thinks like that. He loves the poor. He cares for the poor. Uh, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's talking about humility. But uh, acknowledge of every good thing in our spirits leads to us effectively releasing our faith. Yeah. People talk about, well, my faith's not good enough. My faith, you've been given the spirit of faith, the measure of faith. It is good enough. By acknowledging what you already have and not complaining what you don't have, complaining and grumbling is not going to manifest the presence of God in your life. Okay? You can sit on the corner of the roof and like the Bible talks about the nagging wife or the whatever the words are for the husband being whatever. We can whine and complain all day long. It's not going to attract the anointing or the power of God to answer our prayers. What releases the power of God is faith and acknowledging what he has already done for us. It's praising Jesus, being thankful and grateful for what he has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. So our faith will work and produce results. I want to show you a couple more verses here that goes along with this. Think about this, John uh, 5, 15. I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Classic version. Now they have so many different, they just can be Amplified. It's be Amplified Classic, and they keep changing them all the time. But if you, since we positively, positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of him. Basically, a lot of words there. Basically saying, if you know that he heard you, you know you have what you received, what you asked for in prayer. Okay? That's an absolute promise. If you know he heard you. So one thing you have to know is that he heard you. Okay? So if you know that he hears you, we probably shouldn't walk around whining and grumbling and complaining because this and this hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, he's probably, he might, if he can, might change the channel. <laughs> I don't know if he can, I don't know if he can do that. But anyway, I don't want to hear this right now. Right, but as you acknowledge again, it's going to work differently. Yeah. Think about this in relation to Mark eleven twenty four. 
Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We must believe we receive something before we have it. Well, where do we receive that? In our spirit. You believe, you, re- you believe that he heard you. He heard you. So once you believe that he heard you, then you believe you have received it in your spirit. And as you thank him for what he's already given you, that he's answered, he heard the prayer, so you know the answer is yes and amen. All of his promises are yes and amen. You already know that he heard you. Then you just thank him for the answer to that prayer that it's yes until you see it. I have two examples of this story uh, uh, in my personal life that I can think of. One's better than another one, so I'll tell that one. But you've, many of you have heard it about the car uh, God gave me once. I was living in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, we had just one job, one car, the three boys. Lauren wasn't born yet, and um, we, were, we didn't have much. We were, we were making it, but just barely making it. And so I remember we needed a second car because every time I went to work, Holly would be home alone with the kids and couldn't go get groceries or take them to the park or do anything fun. So uh, I was starting to drive down the road. You notice when you're looking for things, you notice all these, you didn't notice before, like all of a sudden all these cars were for sale on the side of the road that I drove by every day, didn't notice. I started thinking about taking a loan, and, and I didn't know if I qualified or not, but I was thinking about taking a loan, getting a cheap car to get me back and forth to work. So I remember I woke up one morning, and God just spoke to me just so clear. He said, won't you just let me give you a car? I said, give me a car? You want to give me a car? He goes, yeah, I want to give you a car. This was news to me. I, <laughs> I didn't know that. So I'm like, well, I'm like, okay, God, how does this work? What do I do? He goes, get out a piece of paper and write down what you want for a car. And everyone always asks me to this day, why didn't you ask for Mercedes, a Jaguar, or something like that, or something. I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't in my heart what I wanted. I'm not really ever been a car guy. Just if it works, I like it. Uh, so um, that's, the best, that's the best cars anyway, the ones that work. So anyway... Um, I wrote down, uh, the first car I learned to drive in in Canada with my parents, it was like an 88 Honda Accord or something like that. And um, I wanted, you know, a decent stereo, I wanted air conditioning, cruise control is always nice, just basic stuff like that. I didn't care if I had the roll-up windows or the buttons, I didn't care, just wanted to work. So I wrote down all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, God, now what do I do? He said, thank me for your car. I don't think this was intended by God to be a one-time lesson for me, even though sometimes I feel like it may have been, you know, we become slow learners. <laughs> but anyway, he goes, thank me for your car. I'm like, wait a minute, you want me to thank you for a car that I don't have? He goes, yes, because you have it. I'm like, hmm, I didn't know it was in my spirit yet. I mean, isn't that where he spoke from? His spirit and released his spirit, and all of a sudden the planets are forming and everything starts happening. So uh, I started thanking him for my car. And I'm telling you, this felt like I was lying. It felt like weird, like, okay, thank you for my car, God. I'm like, I don't have it yet, but thank you. But I, wouldn't, I just kept saying it here and there throughout the day. And eventually, after a couple of weeks, it started to become more and more faith in it. It, was, it started to get fire behind my words. And about day 17, I woke up one morning, I was just like, God, I thank you for that car. It is so nice. I thank you. You're moving in that person's heart already to give it to us for free and all this stuff. I don't know how you're going to do it. Don't care, but I thank you for my car. So it was a Sunday after church. I went to a Mexican restaurant to eat with some friends. It was some other friends of friends that were there. And I went out to get something, another kid's sippy cup or something they, we left in the car. And uh, Holly was talking to this couple and uh, he started saying, do you guys need a car? God's been speaking to me. I was about to trade this car in to the dealership. I bought a new one. He bought a new Porsche uh, SUV. But anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he, he was going to trade in this car to go with it uh, to cut against the price. And he goes, wait, I need to give this to somebody. And all of a sudden he saw mine and Holly's face. What would have happened if I wasn't thanking God for the car? What would have, he would have traded it in or given it to somebody else? I don't know. But anyway, he, he said, do you guys need a car? Holly goes, yes, we do. 
I come in, she filmed me in this story. So he goes, after, after we eat, let's go pick it up. It's still at the dealership there. I was going to leave it there. So we go over there to get it. Um, and it's a 1988 or 99, almost the exact same car my parents had. Same color, same everything about it. Everything. Um, and I'm just like, whoa, God, okay, this is really wild. And so I get in the car, and he goes, well, listen, listen, we haven't changed the oil in a while. The tires are really bad. We haven't been using it much. He goes, uh, come to, go to Walmart tomorrow, meet my wife, and she'll, uh, she'll, she'll pay for you to get four new tires on your car and pay for you to get an oil change. Like, oh, man, this just keeps getting better. So, uh, so I do that. They pay for the oil change, pay for four new tires on the car, and I'm about to leave, and the, the guy says, uh, he called me that night and said, what about the stereo? Is it working good? I go, well, it, it works. I didn't want to complain. I mean, I got a free car, right? And uh, he goes, it, it, it works, but uh, the speakers are kind of sound like they're blown. And he said, uh, actually, I bought brand new speakers for that car. I never had the time to put them in. If you come by in the morning, I'll give them to you. I said, well, this, this is amazing. I know how to put speakers in myself. So I went to his house the next morning. I go to his house. He gives me these speakers. They're still in the Best Buy bag, still in the box, never opened. I still had the receipt at home because the receipt was in it. And those speakers were purchased on my birthday. Oh, wow. Two years before I needed the car. And I just wonder, like, if everything we already need is in our spirit, everything we need for our life, Everything we need from God, for godless, godly living, all that stuff, it's already in our spirit. Then maybe we just need to acknowledge what we already have, and our faith, will become, the communication of our faith, will become effectual till we see the results of Mark 11, 20, 23, and 24, and the things we've asked for in prayer by believing we have received it, and then you have it. Yeah. You probably all have personal testimonies like that. Part of the work, part of the challenge of is your tongue not speaking death over your circumstances right. when you're praying and believing God for something when it takes longer than 20 minutes for something to come to pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's faith. Abraham had to exercise it for 24 years before he had his son, right? Hopefully it won't take that long for some of the things you're praying for. Maybe it already has. But you have to watch what we say because life and death in the power of our tongues. So true. Amen. So believe you have received it in your spirit Thank God for it, and we're going to see these things because your spirit already is perfected forever, and that's where it's, you've been merged with Christ. Amen. There's faith in there. There's no fear in there. There's no doubt and unbelief in there. It's perfect already in your spirit. Amen? Amen. So, um, yeah, we're going to take communion together and celebrate the new covenant we have in Jesus. Amen. It's because of the new covenant that what I'm telling you is true. Do you think God wants to answer your prayers? What attracts answer prayer, grumbling, complaining, or faith? We all know it, but man, it's hard not to grumble and complain sometimes. We do it sometimes, don't even realize we're doing it. You have to stop and think, like, wait a minute, I'm actually complaining about something right now. I'm, not, I'm basically saying that I'm not thankful for what I do have because I'd rather have something different. Or I'd rather have what they have or what this person has or don't have. I wish my life was theirs or something about that. That's jealousy, it's coveting, it's all something that you don't need to do because it's already in your spirit. It's perfect already. We don't, in heaven, guess what? There is no jealousy. We're not going to compare each other's castles to each other's castles or houses to houses, mansions to mansions, whatever word you want to use there. We're not going to care. We're family. We're family, and we're just all glad we're there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, um, elders, you come up and prepare the Lord's table. We're going to take communion together as a family.